Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. Welcome back to another episode of the FOMO Fans Podcast, renamed FOMO Fans, the Brian Fanzo Show, because... Why not? And I first just want to start off by saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I I paused the podcast um, March fourteenth, uh, and I say I paused. I, I attempted to record two more episodes the following week in March, but I just couldn't get my head wrapped around the, like the fear of missing out and all the things that were going on um, in the world today. And so um, during that, the, I tried to create an episode, um, but I just decided I wasn't going to force it. And I paused the podcast. And for anyone that knows about podcasting, like you have to ride the momentum. And I would, this podcast was getting 1500 to 2000 downloads per episode. Um, I, you know, it's a solo show. So it's just me marketing, talking about myself. And I just love this audience. And when I brought it back, I had no idea who was going to listen, who was going to watch, um, if any of you even, even still had subscribed. And the amount of comments and questions and people that, like, I got a couple of comments. I actually had two different people tell me that they were started, they were listening to my podcast in the shower and they were reminding how much they liked it. Uh, and then they also reminded me to uh, not have that visual image of them listening to me in the shower. Um, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you guys for tuning back in for subscribing, for sharing this podcast out to your audience. Um, this is my solo podcast. I do have um, the other podcasts, uh, Press the Damn Button, um, that of course is, go- you know, I'm recording episodes there. Uh, we are going live there, you know, uh, on a pretty regular basis um, as well. And so um, that one's more of my interview show. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do um, with this podcast. But um, based on just your feedback after one episode, FOMO fans is here to stay. We are going to stick around and we're going to have some fun with um, this show. So, and I got a special one for you guys this time. Uh, I usually have a sticky note with a couple different things that I want to cover per episode. uh, And that's how I do my episodes. Uh, But for this one, I decided, you know what? I live stream this. I have the sponsor of the show is live streaming. I'm going to use some overlays and some graphics for my live streaming audience. Um, so I got, I had to plan it out. I had to step out this whole thing. So um, this episode is called the six COVID-19 lessons to make us all better at what we do and uh, making us all better at what we do. Give a shout out to restream.io. If you guys just go to restream.io slash join slash PTB, which is press the damn button. Um, you can check out some pretty cool offers from restream. I am using restream for both of my podcasts. I do my interviews within here. Um, restream is pretty awesome in the sense of that it can allow you to stream up to 30 platforms at once. We are on Twitch, YouTube, LinkedIn, Periscope, Facebook page, and Facebook profile. Um, But you can even go even more than that. You can do embeds on your website. I know for some of you that are marketers out there, you want to gate your live streams. You can do that with Restream. Um, And it's also beautiful because you can bring in the chat from all the different platforms like you guys have seen me do um, if you're out there. You know, live video is definitely a growing concept, you know, since I first pressed the damn button back in um, February 27th of 2014, when I first had my aha moment of live streaming. And since then, I really, I've been using lots of different tools, lots of different uh, platforms, but I hadn't found one that was really going to push the limits and allow me to do some creative things 
uh, in ways that I want to do. And uh, Restream stepped up to the bat. Um, they're powering this podcast. They're powering the Press the Damn Button podcast. Um, great team over there. They just got um, some massive funding as well. Uh, big shout out to uh, the Restream team. Um, you know, I'm sure this has a lot to do with COVID and the you know the new push to uh, you know live streaming. But uh, they just announced it's up there. Uh, the I think it's, I'll put the link for the uh, TechCrunch article, but um, they, they raised uh, 50 million uh, to help creators and, uh, you know, program and live stream. Um, massive kudos, 50 million on Restream. So there's lots of re- uh, live streaming tools that are out there. I am all in with Restream. They also work really well with Ecamm Live, which is the encoder platform that I work on the back end. So um, check out my sponsor, support the sponsor. Um, if you want to sign up, go sign up. Um, I actually just been tweeting back and forth with uh, a couple of people that work for very large sports brands that tweeted me about um, these platforms. And so uh, definitely, you know, I'm not only my fan, but it's one that I'm using and I'm setting up here. So with that being said, let's jump into the actual podcast that we are going to talk about here. And you know, one of the things that I wanted to kind of, you know, share or really just kind of talk about um, real quick is that, you know, COVID-19 and where we're at, like, we're, we're definitely not through this. And I know it's tough. You know, we start seeing different countries do different things, different people in our Facebook feed all of a sudden are going back to Universal Studio and the sporting sports are back. I know the NFL starts uh, tomorrow. I was doing my fantasy football drafts um, this past weekend. But, you know, I think it's important to you know put it out there that, you know, you know, nothing's really changed since the start of the pandemic. We have no new cure. There's nothing new that we've done um, to stop what's going on. And so we have to be smart. Uh, we have to not just do, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for those that maybe aren't, they can't protect themselves or those that have to, uh, you know, have, you know, extenuating circumstances. And this isn't a political comment at all. This is much more to do with the fact that, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about the lessons that we learned um, have been learning during these times uh, of, of COVID. But I, I want it to be clear that, you know, it's not like I believe that this is over. It's not like I believe that we are, you know, we're able to all of a sudden, you know, click a button and things are going to, you know, be all better. But what I do believe we have to do, and I talked about a little bit on the last episode of this uh, podcast, was we'd have to reflect. We have to have a new perspective. And so for this podcast, it's going to be completely different than the last one. I'm going to break down six lessons that I feel we can learn. And I'm going to talk about how we can, we can twist them into our business life, into our personal life, um, because I, I believe that's kind of what it's all about. So for those that are watching live, uh, bring in your comments. Feel free uh, to do that. If you are listening to this podcast on one of the podcasting apps, uh, feel free to send out a tweet. Tag me on Instagram. I am iSocialFans. I'd love to hear your feedback. Love to hear suggestions for future episodes, um, whatever it may be. And so with that being said, let's jump into, I'm going to talk about the six lessons and I'm going to jump into um, lesson number one. And so lesson number one, for those that are watching live, you guys can actually see this uh, up there on the screen. Lesson number one, everyone has influence and power. And I think this is one of the lessons that we've learned. You know, we've influencer marketing has been around for a long time. Um, definitely nothing new since the beginning of time, right? Uh, people that loved a product or a tool, um, you know, talked about the product or tool. And because people trust people more than they trust a brand or marketing and nobody wants to be sold to, no one wants to be marketed to. Um, we, we, we gravitate to those that look like us, those that we can relate to. And I think one of the things that if we look back on, you know, from March of 2020 until now, 
I know so for some other countries, uh, you know, this was hitting you in January. So let's just say for the year of 2020, one of the things that we've found is that, you know, like, yes, fake news has been around for a long time. And yes, there's been lots of things going on in this, you know, in this space where, you know, we've have, you know, di- you know, different people talking about different ways of doing different things. But here's, here's something that I really wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, hit home on this idea is that one of the things we have to realize is that us us sharing a post on Facebook, us liking or commenting something, you know, like every one of us influences somebody, right? And because I always want to caveat this, influencer marketing or being an influencer, what an influencer means, and this is something that is not talked about enough. An influencer is not someone that has a big following. An influencer is not someone that has um, a lot of people that, you know, because uh, they're a celebrity. An influencer is truly valuable, because they are able, based on the trust that they have, to inspire someone to take action. Action is the key. You are not an influencer if you are not inspiring action. You could be a celebrity. You could be someone that is putting stuff out there. But truly influence means that based on either what you do, what you say, how you live, the content you create, people take action based on your recommendations, based on the things you're doing. And you know, like the toilet paper FOMO that happened, you know, all of a sudden everyone was like, oh my God, they're running out of toilet paper. We have to, we need to go out and get toilet paper. And if you think about it, if it was just some people posting on social media, that'd be one thing. But then all of a sudden it was people taking pictures of the toilet paper aisle in their grocery store and sending it to their parents. And then all of a sudden it was this groundswell. And I think for people that, like for us to think about it, right? Like, Influence, influencing people to take actions happens more offline than it does online. But in this COVID world, we were forced to do all of this in this virtual online world. And it was so funny. I had people that had never gone live on live stream all of a sudden go live on Facebook Live. And in the middle of their talk, they would be like, oh, yeah, and this is my favorite new Netflix show. And all of a sudden, all of the comments were, you know, about this new Netflix show. And they're like, what other shows do you like? And all of a sudden, they are sharing all their favorite Netflix shows. And then I, I would comment to that person. And they'd be like, man, I had no idea people cared about what shows I was watching. And I was like, well, you're, you know, people, you have trust. People trust your taste. And, you know, they're looking for that. And because you got on live video, you were able to do that. And I had an aha moment with a friend of mine. And she simply said, well, Brian, the only people that ever really took action based on my suggestions or my experiences were the friends that I have offline, the, the mom group that I belong to, the people that I run into the grocery store. And I came back to a simple concept here, right? That my whole press the damn button mantra, it's that I believe everyone has a story to tell. We all have something to tell, something to share, and people want to connect and relate with people. We want to feel a part of something. And here's the, the magic is that it's not about doing something different, right? She, she talked about her favorite Netflix shows, uh, you know, as a, as a mom. And actually one of the things she said was like, she can't watch certain shows that have bad language or that push too many limits because there's kids running around. And I was like, you know, you've always been influential in, in sharing that with your mom group and the people that are around you. But by putting that online, you're now giving more people access, right? And this comes down to something, you know, it's kind of beautiful. And so, you know, something like washing our hands and wearing masks. And then, of course, Black Lives Matter and the movement around Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I, I went back and watched 
I'm a big TV person for those that know this. And um, recently on Epics, um, E-P-I-X, um, it's on Hulu and Amazon, I think. Um, I didn't watch it on Epics because I'm not even sure what channel that is on. Um, but I watched Helter Skelter, which is a six, uh, the new Helter Skelter, not Helter Skelter, the, the series, which is a six episode series on um, Manson, Charles Manson. And, and I'm, always, I'm just fascinated by people that are able to uh, build trust, community, um, inspire people to take action. I'm also love the human psychology of things that are going on. But one of the things that I found that was you know interesting in um, in the the helter skelter Charlie Manson story that was told by Epics, and there wasn't a whole lot of brand new stuff that I learned on it, but it, it was designed fairly well. I like the way that the the documentary was set up. But they were talking a lot about like the race war and what was going on in the late 60s and the early 70s and how we were going from the Vietnam War and, you know, the things that were happening there. And I also watched a documentary recently on, on Bobby Kennedy. And I can tell you I was born in 1981. And I don't know if I just missed the Bobby Kennedy story or Bobby Kennedy wasn't presented in the history books for, for school because Bobby Kennedy never became president. But I was fascinated. It was probably my favorite documentary I've watched this year. But to connect these dots and bring it back to the Black Lives Matter, which I would I wanted to connect this into, was that I was listening, watching the the Charles Manson thing, and I was watching the um, the Bobby Kennedy piece. And the thing that kept that I kept feeling was, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like all, a lot of the things that we are talking about right now, as far as equality and ending racism and not being okay with, you know, all the things that have been, that we are starting to finally expose. And the, the idea that you, you, we need to take different steps to make different things happen. All of this is not new. It's been, I mean, like they, it's, 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 it's really interesting because when I look back then, there was all these great movements and, and there was you know, great leaders. Of course, we had the Martin Luther Kings and, and all of those type of things that were going on. And then we had the Jim Crow laws. But one of the things that I look at and, and I look at in that time is that the influence and power each one of us could yield was much smaller before the Internet, before social media. And the reason I bring that back into this, this realm is because if we think about it, this is the same battle that has been going on for forever. And the fact that I grew up and because I was born a certain color, I never had to worry about, you know, a cop, you know, because I was wearing a hoodie, um, making a decision, not based on my actions or what I was doing, but just based on the way I looked. And I was very naive to that idea, but there's also something to be said of like a frustration of, you know what? We've been talking about this for so long and nothing has happened, right? We had, we had Trayvon Martin. We had all the things going on. And, and, and the reason I bring all this back is that we now have the influence and power to push this to the next level, to make real change happen. I've always said social media does not replace what we do offline. Social media does not make bad people do bad things. It exposes bad people doing bad things. But it also allows us to connect, relate, and share different perspectives and drive change in our environment, in our world, and everyone that's around us. And the, and I'm bringing this all back because here's the thing, is that if you're like, it, for me, it's hard to even fathom that anyone could be okay with what has been currently going on in the world for the longest time, right? Since, you know, slavery existed and that, you know, I'm a big believer that all lives should matter, but you can't make all lives matter 
until black lives matter the same as white lives, right? And until everyone is equal and then all lives can matter. And it's not until then, then that we can fight that fight. And I'm not going to get political or rant on that piece of it, but where I want to take this conversation is that it is up to us. And for the first time we have the power and for all of those that feel like this isn't the first time and we've, they've felt this movement and momentum previously. Here's the difference is that we do have social media. We do have live video. We do have zoom. We do have restream.io. We can go out there. We can help people shift their perspectives. And I think this is such a beautiful thing. And it's, you know, I'm not a big believer in forcing change, but we've all been forced to work from home and embrace social and virtual, and it can be overwhelming. And I, trust me, I'm not, I, I have the sign up top there. Um, I do know that there are a bunch of bad people doing bad things and bad people can, can use social media against us. And you can have the Russians hacking things and you can have people doing some little messages and sharing fake news and, and doctoring videos because that's just ridiculous that that still happens. But yes, all of those things are, are possible in social media, but every great in, um, invention, every great in, you know, every great technology, every great, change that has happened. It can be leveraged for bad people to do bad things, but more so it can be leveraged for good people to do good things. As long as we don't allow the bad people to, to prevent us or stop us from embracing what's possible. And so that's number one, everyone has influence and power. We are proving that with so many different ways. And to me, this is a beautiful thing. You know, I believe, you know, the me too movement was pre COVID, but the me too movement got a lot of this started that said, Hey, there are so many people struggling. And if you guys, you know, I, I talk a little bit about TikTok, but TikTok has some tribes out there. And recently mental health has been a big one, but there's also been a lot of uh, people posting about um, spousal abuse and saying how they're, they're no longer a victim and that they're not going to let that person um, hold them down. And anyone that hits a woman, anyone that bullies someone out of a place of power um, you have no time for me. I have no respect. I don't care about you. And I, and I do believe we have to bring these things to the forefront and social media gives us that opportunity. If we are willing to do it, being silent about things that matter to us does not make changes, does not make things better. And I've said this for forever and I will, I will never stand down from this concept that I believe everyone needs to press the damn button. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has the ability to impact just one person. Imagine that. If posting on social media, sharing your story helped one person every single day, who wouldn't sign up for that? All right. So that one got a little ranty. Sorry about that. Eh, actually, I'm not really sorry about that. So number that was number one. Let's flip up to number two. Number two, everyone can create video, but it isn't as easy as it looks. Now, for some of my friends that are in the video space, and I like to say like, I love video because it's the medium I prefer to tell my story. But um, honestly, video for me and in, in many uh, pieces of it, I'm not, I don't think of myself as a great video creator or a master video editor. I have lots of great friends, Roberto Blake, uh, Amy Landino, um, Nick Nimmin, uh, Owen Video, uh, Sean Canal. I have so many great friends that are out there that are great video creators that are doing amazing things with video. Uh, for me, video just became the place that I was able to deliver content and put things out there. And the thing about that I, I heard from some of my friends was like, oh man, 
everyone's getting on video. Everyone's doing Zooms. Everyone's creating video now. I'm going to have to level up my video. I'm going to have to do more, bigger, and better things. And here's the funny thing. It's, that's not true. Because what has happened as people now realize that video isn't as easy as pressing the damn button is it takes effort. It takes to have a strategy behind what you're doing and to, you know, go live consistently or to create content that builds a story or gets people to pay attention, right? Like it's not that people don't have, people don't have a short attention span right now, right? Like I watched those entire six episodes of Helter Skelter in a day and a half, right? Like I spent, I watched six hours about a documentary about someone that I know all everything about, right? We don't have a short attention span. We just have no time for crappy content and we have no time for people to waste our time. And we have so many choices and so many options that we are willing to jump around. We are willing to search to find what we want. And so although everyone has been forced into virtual and video, the thing that I want everyone to remember is that there's a newfound appreciation for video. I've heard it from so many people that are like, Brian, you know, that all that video you created, I always thought like that was super easy. And that was so cool that, you know, that you were doing all that video. And, you know, and now that I was forced to do it, like, holy crap, Brian, it's a lot of work. And like, you know, editing and you have to put things out there and you have to, and for me, this is something that's important. And I want us to take this forward. Being consistent with delivering quality video in 2020 will be, will help you stand out, will be the game changer. It's not about leveling up because everyone all of a sudden found the value of a video. I mean, every year since 2005, or since 2015 has been the year of video. But for the first time, I believe there's a newfound respect for video. There's a newfound understanding of its value, of its importance. I mean, I'm, I'm doing that with virtual presentations. You know, a lot of speaker friends that I had, they didn't even know how to, to record themselves on video to send a video to somebody, right? And then on top of that, they're so intimidated by video that they have to go to a studio. They, 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 they can't wrap their heads around this idea of creating video consistently or doing it from your phone or whatever it may be. And, and for those that don't know, like I do so much of my video from my phone or from my GoPro, right? Like that's where I do a lot of my video. But I want us to, to not feel the thing that I got worried about is that everyone's gonna be like, oh man, if everyone's doing video and virtual, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna shy away. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't wanna play. It's too crowded. And here's the thing. I usually believe in that. I usually believe that if everyone's zigging, you must zag. There's actually a FOMO fans episode. Uh, I'll link to it in the comments about how I use zigging and zagging to build my brand. It's why LinkedIn video is my number one resource for driving leads for my company. Um, and it's because I heard everyone zigging over to, uh, you know, to Instagram to create video content. And I was like, you know what, if everyone's going to Instagram to create video content, I'm gonna go to LinkedIn because there's gonna be less people playing there. But I, I want to, this number two is that everyone can create video but if you can be consistent, if you, if you have a niche, own your niche. If you don't have a niche, make it very clear on when you're going, going to create video, how long your videos are, what people can expect from your video content. Make that all those things clear because if you have a niche, the niche is what people connect to what you're going to talk about. If you don't have a niche, because you know I'm the CEO of Team No Niche, you have to come at it from a little different way, but this is a great time to be doing video. And it's an especially great time to be creating consistent video content. I don't care if it's virtual meetings. I don't care if it's Facebook live. I don't care if you're uploading it into a Facebook group. Heck, I don't care if you're just using it and you're sending it to a friend group on your, your text message. 
I think this is this is the most beautiful time to embrace the power of consistent video. All right, number three. Number three, when everything is virtual, is anything virtual? Now, of course, this is huge for me because you know, that first week of March and, and you know, shout out. I see Jennifer, Miss Jennifer Watson, um, my partner, she's watching. She says, I'm wearing um, some of those blue, blue glasses. Um, I don't usually wear glasses, but I've been getting a lot of headaches recently. So I'm trying to change that up. Um, thank you, Jennifer, for watching. Uh, I see Maribel Lopez said, uh, great to see you on LinkedIn talking about these topics. Thank you, Maribel, for, for jumping in and watching as well. Um, but for me, you know, everything changed. I, I talked about this a lot in the last episode. Uh, March, when I lost so many of my speaking gigs, my full-time clients, all six of them, uh, canceled their contracts. And I've always been doing virtual, but I was using virtual to sell an offline product. And all of a sudden, I I need to now use virtual to sell a virtual product and figuring out how to price that, how to sell that, how to convey my value in that space. And also, let's face it, I was one of the very few people in the, in the professional speaker space that was using all my social channels and video as my number one driver for driving, uh, you know, for my speaking leads. A lot of people had books. A lot of people had, you know, different things that they had going on. Um, and because I didn't, it was where I played. And all of a sudden now everyone's playing in my space. But what I found that was interesting was that in March and April, I was doing a lot of research about virtual software and virtual platforms and everything that was out there in the virtual arena. And one of the things that I found, you know, really, you know, probably, you know, exciting, but also a little bit frustrating was that everyone was rebranding themselves as a virtual platform, as a virtual app, a virtual teacher. I mean, even the restaurant that uh, down the street for me, they call themselves a virtual restaurant here um, in, uh, in, in Virginia. And I was like, I, I, I send them a message. And I was like, you're virtual. Like, how are you doing this virtual? Are you cooking? Are you cleaning? They're like, uh, no, no, no. You can order from this app called DoorDash. And I was like, um, DoorDash has been around for forever. I use it religiously multiple times a week. Um, but the thing that I think there's a lesson here is that there's a, when there's forced change and we're forced into a new area, there's a tendency for us to label something that everyone is looking for. And we've seen the trends, right? Like I've shared this on social media, like the amount of people looking for virtual or work from home or remote working, those keywords and trends like shot up like a rocket ship. But one of the lessons that we can take from this is it's okay to pivot into where everyone else is. But what you really need to figure out is once you're in this giant you know, ocean of everyone being virtual, how are you going to stand out? What makes you different, right? One of the breweries that I saw um, you know, in Virginia, unfortunately, it's not that close to my house. One of the breweries said, hey, they went virtual. But what they did when they went virtual is that you can order on their app and they will actually bring their food cart to your outside your house and you can get on tap beer, right? Like from the, from the, from the street corner, which I think is just like amazing. I, I want that in my own town. You know, shout out to uh, a couple altered suds is my, one of my favorite uh, breweries here in Warrington, Virginia. Uh, I'd love to see them do that. But the reason I say that is that it's important to understand that yes, you can remarket, you can brand, you can force yourself to play in this new arena like we have all been forced to um, recently you know, with COVID. But it's also just as important to understand what that word, what that means to people. And then where are you going to stand out? How are you going to do things differently? Where are you going to play? And this is where I think like some people are like, well, I need to be an early adopter. I need to be the one that's out there. You know, I need to be the first restaurant that is, you know, um, that is saying that I'm a virtual restaurant. 
And I would argue, yes, there is some value in being an early adopter. But there's also value about going in there, playing, listening, learning, discovering what's working, and then pushing yourself forward. And the reason I say that is because, you know, Google was the 27th search engine. There was 26 other search engines that wanted to become the verb for searching. (laughs) They probably didn't want to become the verb for searching. They didn't know that was going to be a thing, right? But we Google things now, right? Like even if you're using Bing or you're using Dogpile or you're using a different uh, search engine, you Google it, right? Like, and it was the 27th search engine. And so it's, it's important. It's valuable to be an early adopter, but it's also equally important to understand where you fit in this new realm and how that all fits in there, right? And so I made this statement about virtual is that I think the greatest innovators in the virtual space are going to be mobile apps. Uh, Two of the ones that I believe you should keep an eye on uh, are Socio and Swapcard. And then there's another platform called Run the the World. Uh, You go to Run the World is, uh, is the third one. I believe these three platforms are innovating and really disrupting the virtual event space, but because they're going to be doing it in a, in a very strategic way. Yes, they're a virtual component, but their functionality, that their components, the, the things that make that their, their, you know, their value proposition worth it are very unique and it's going to allow them to stand out. So that's number three. Number three, when everything is virtual, is anything really virtual? All right, let's jump over to number four. Number four, what really matters shines bright when we hit pause. Now, for many of you that are out there, um, I know I, I, I love you all and I appreciate all of the, um, you know, the kind words and I appreciate all the support. But you know, one of my soapboxes is that I fight every day to have people realize that technology and social media doesn't make us more disconnected. It's the way that we're using it, right? And we have to we have to find the, and it's not a balance, but we have to find the intersection, the synergy between what we're able to do with our screens and, and virtual and digital, and then what we want to do as humans. And I believe one of the things that we're seeing a lot of, and I'm seeing this in my network, and a shout out to all of those that are, are being bold with their decisions. I'm seeing a lot of people decide to move because they no longer, they realize that they were living in San Francisco or New York or somewhere just because they thought it was the cool place to live, but it wasn't the best place to raise their children. Or if they moved out of this big city, they would now be able to work less hours and spend more time with their family or spend more time traveling or whatever it may be. And I think for me, this was, this has been one of the hardest ones because my entire career since 2003, I've traveled, uh, you know, up to 45, 50 weeks a year. This is the longest I've ever been home ever since I graduated college and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I miss traveling. I miss the road. Um, I miss living out of a suitcase. I miss hotels. I miss airports, but it's also one of those things where my life was built and integrated. I, I worked so hard to have that synergy of, you know, when I was home, I was with my kids and I, and I FaceTime and text message and I have things built in so well that the road and the life that I was building wasn't taking away from these things. It was, I built, I built them, you know, in conjunction. And I think for a lot of us, a lot of the decisions we've made is because we're just on a hamster wheel constantly going. And none of us would have believed many months ago that the world, especially the United States would press pause. But when we press pause and all of a sudden we were forced to social distance and first forced to be at home and forced to do things that we never would have imagined, we started to realize what we are missing. 
But we also started to realize what we were enjoying and what things that we should look forward to um, in life. And I think this is so important and so valuable. And I'm, I'm still wrapping my head around that for myself. Um, you know, a shout out. I'm wearing uh, this hat. Uh, it's a, a black sheep hat for those that are watching on live stream. Uh, my good friend Brent, uh, Brent Menzoir, uh, wrote a book called Black Sheep. And it's about understanding uh, and unleashing the extraordinary, awe-inspiring you and owning the, the, the values that you, you know, what he calls your, your, your black sheep values. And I'm going through this book and, and working on my own values. And one of the things he talks about is that once you figure out your values and you own your values, it's now up to you to put those values out there to the world so that people now know that this is what you value and that they can start, they'll change their behaviors based on their understanding of this, right? And um, the interview, I, I did an interview with Brandt um, that, that'll come out in two weeks right before his book comes out. Uh, I already recorded the episode. It's amazing. Um, I got emotional multiple times in the episode, uh, but make sure you're subscribing to Press the Damn Button. Uh, I, I believe it'll be episode nine. Uh, episode nine on Press the Damn Button will be an interview with Brandt. But the reason I bring all that back is I think the beauty in this pause is that we should relook and say, what are our values today? Don't, don't look at it and say, what are, what are the values I've been building my life on? Like right now is unlike any other time in our, in our lives, in our history. And it's up to us to reevaluate, to, to, to shift our focus and our prioritization and our understanding. And, and honestly, it's the most beautiful thing I think that we can, well, maybe the second most beautiful thing. Uh, number six will probably be my favorite thing of all of them, but definitely something for us to kind of think about as we move forward. Number five is probably the thing that excited me the most because it's something I've been preaching and believing for a long time. And number five is that transparency and vulnerability are non-negotiable today. And what I mean by that is, and I have this up on the screen for you guys that can see it, preparing for the unprecedented events is impossible, right? Like my good friend, um, Melissa Angus, uh, she wrote a book called Crisis Ready. And if you're looking for a crisis management book for a crisis, uh, to wrap your head around crisis management, crisis um, you know, training, crisis structure in your business, check out this book. It's amazing book. I mean, everything about this book. And I would never say that about a crisis book because when she, even when she told me, I was like, oh, I'm not going to like that. But the book is amazing. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes as well. But the, the thing about it is that unprecedented events are unprecedented for a reason, right? And for a lot of people, I, we're going to live in this new world where we could pause things and there might be another pandemic or we've seen natural disasters and, you know, shout out and, you know, I'm sending my love and, and good vibes to those that are in Oregon dealing with the fires right now that are taking over. And I, I saw in Colorado, they got a snowstorm today and a lot of trees got knocked down in Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, there's so many things that can happen, right? And we can't control those things. But what we can do is that we can build trust and a community through transparency and vulnerability that will allow us to adapt and pivot to anything that's coming. Right. I don't believe that you should learn how to do everything, like all the blocking and tackling. I believe we should build in uh, our ability to be connected, our, our community, our connection. We should build trust with our, with our customers, our clients, our partners. If we invest in trust right now by being very transparent and vulnerable, talking about what, what good things are out there, what bad things are doing, we have to own our mistakes because nobody is perfect. If we're willing to do that today, when the next unprecedented event comes, we will, we will be able to pivot and we will be able to adapt much better than we were able to do this time. 
if if you were overwhelmed and blindsided by this, you know, most recent, um, you know, pandemic, a lot of things that are going on, you're not alone. All of us were, but the ones that were able to feel when, if there were people in your network that were like, wow, they really pivoted through that or man, they're, they're really finding success or wow, they're doing some great things. Like how are they getting up out of bed? Like I can't even get out of bed. My promise to you is more more than likely they're very comfortable in who they are. They've been very transparent and open and they have their circle of people that, that, they, that they're vulnerable with and that, that hold them up. And although they were rocked and although they were knocked down, they were able to, to look at things and be like, okay, I know how to move forward. And I, I believe in doing this. And, and this is that, that thing where, you know, when I worked in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense, you know, going all or nothing with security is, is a guaranteed failure. It's all about being strategic with how you, you know, change your passwords. And just because it's a 30 character password does not mean it's more secure than a six character password. I've talked about that story a lot, but where I bring this all back to is that when, when we think about things more often than not, we want trust and we want our community after we screw up, after something rocks us to the core, after we're, we're all of a sudden we're homeless or we're, we've, you know, our business is, is flailing. We're like, please trust us, please help us. And if you're asking for people to trust you and help you after you've already screwed up, it's too late. And I know that's hard to hear for many of us, but I do believe right now, customers, our employees, our clients, our friends, our family members are demanding, supporting, and amplifying transparency and vulnerability. And even if that's scary for you, what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do on that is that it's up to you to move from judging people based on what they share to trying to educate yourself on why someone does something and start to be more empathetic. Because something like sex work, right? The idea that sex workers have been diminished as a, as a job and the fact that they can't open bank accounts to me is ridiculous, right? And uh, it's a whole nother rant for a whole nother the piece of this because there, there are so many people that, you, you know, they're putting food on their table and they're doing things that aren't harming others. And just because we disagree or we are our religious beliefs or whatever our beliefs are, we wouldn't do that ourselves doesn't mean we should be judging them for what they're doing. Rather, we should see it for what they are and who they are. And I can tell you a lot of the people that I know that are, especially in that space, that are single moms that didn't want to spend less time with their children, that are now able to you know, spend all day with their children, put their children to bed and work on a cam at night and provide for their family and, and, and be there for their child. To me, they're an inspiration. And, and, and I, I'm excited because I believe we're seeing more transparency and vulnerability, more people talking about mental health. Um, I watched a very powerful documentary um, just the other day on um, child trafficking, uh, and it was about the under, uh, underground railroad, or, um, oh man, I can't believe forget the name of their uh, underground railroad project. Um, the underground railroad project it was a documentary actually um, produced by Russell Brunson over there at uh, click funnels, uh, super powerful documentary. I, I balled up and was crying much of the documentary, but um, one of the things that, you know, like we're hearing more people talk about the fact that there's 2 million people in the world today, 2 million children that are in being slaved, that are being sold, and that we have to change that. And we have to do our part. And we're able to have start to have these conversations because they're not things we want to talk about. Like, I don't want to be talking about child slavery and thinking about, you know, kids. I have my three daughters or, and, you know, the four children in my life. 
But these are things that, that we have to start talking about. We have to start owning. We have to start being able to put out there to the world so that we can change them. There, there shouldn't be children in foreign countries being sold into slavery in the world that we're living in today. And just because someone was born into a certain a kid was born into a, a family that could love them shouldn't make them better than everyone else. And, and, and I share all of that because if you're too scared to be transparent or vulnerable right now, it's okay. It's about baby steps. But what you can do today that is non-negotiable is stop judging people based on what they're sharing because you wouldn't share it or you wouldn't do it. And start asking yourself, why are they doing it? Start listening to them. Start learning. Start being willing to be empathetic towards them because being empathetic doesn't require that you agree with what someone else is doing or that what's going on. It means that you're willing to feel what they feel and walk in their shoes. And I believe this is one of those exciting things that's happening. And then number six, the last one here, man, I'm fired up as you guys can tell. We are more alike than we are different. Shout out to Rebecca Ward. I see Rebecca's watching over there on Facebook. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, everybody who's watching live. Thank you to Restream, uh, my sponsor, for sponsoring not only this podcast, but also uh, the podcast, uh, you know, Press the Damn Button, uh, my interview podcast as well. But this, to me, is the most important thing that we can take out of COVID. And we should, we should think about this and who we hire. We should think about this in the circle of friends we keep. We should think about this um, in how we're being optimistic and positive about the life that is going forward. And, and, and I share all of that because this is what I want us to think about. This is what I want us to really like kind of zone in on. And that is that it doesn't matter where you grew up. doesn't matter your resume, your background. It, it shouldn't matter the, the, your skin color or your sexual orientation. The, the fact that women still get paid 72 cents on the dollar um, of what a man gets paid is just asinine. And as a dad of three girls, um, it rips my heart out. But we have to change all of these things. And we have to start making these changes because the, the coronavirus should t- teach us all. It doesn't matter you know, where you live, who you are, you know, I, I think I'm, I've lost count. I think I'm up to 16 people that I know directly um, through my Facebook community um, that have lost their, a loved one or them, you know, lost their lives to COVID. And it's a great reminder that, you know, money doesn't make us better than others. The skin color doesn't make us better than others. Um, it's, it's the times like this. And I always say like, we are greater than me. If we want to do great things, we have to work together. If you want to be a great entrepreneur and solopreneur, you're only great if you're able to outsource and work with people that can do what you can't do. If you want to be a great brand and great company, you're not great because of the products you sell or the, the, the marketing slogan that you create. You're great because you have great people working at your company and you empower those great people to do great things. And it's up to us to own that, to believe in that, and also to do our own work in going above and beyond and making a difference in in that arena and and really kind of pushing things forward. And so the last thing I want to leave you guys with, um, you know, for for this this episode of the podcast um, is actually a quote. And it's a quote I heard uh, fairly recently um, from, um, let's zoom in here. Hopefully you guys can read that quote. Uh, uh, it's a quote I heard fairly recently within a documentary. And I feel like I'm talking a lot about documentaries here on this, uh, on this show, but um, it's a Benjamin Franklin quote. And it simply says, 
Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. This quote hit me really hard, and it's been something I've been wrapping my head around um, in my own life, using my own influence for good. Um, I've always, I've, I've loved being on the social board for No Kid Hungry. Uh, I was able to contribute um, for a while to a great cause called Help Erase, which was focusing on um, erasing child trafficking. But I wasn't doing enough. I haven't been doing enough, and I'm going to own that, and I'm, and I'm putting it out there. I've also owned the fact that I've been... Um, attempting to be a silent ally. And when, first of all, no one should self-identify themselves as an ally. That's what someone else um, identifies for you. And that being silent is no longer okay. And that we have to step up and we have to educate. I had some very difficult conversations with my daughters this, just, just this weekend when I, you know, we were going to the farmer's market and the Black Lives Matter uh, protest here in my local small town that I participated in recently was, was there. And we walked over there and I talked to my daughters about what was going on and why we are doing this and what needs to change. And, and you know, having those conversations and having these difficult things because we, we have to be outraged in the things that have been going on that we've either been naive to We've been too distant to care, or maybe in many cases, we didn't believe that we can make an impact. And I guess I'll leave you guys with this uh, on this episode of uh, the FOMO Fans podcast, and I'll switch back in, that I truly do believe that we are living in the greatest time in history, that it shouldn't matter your race, your religion, your background, your resume that we have the ability to tell our stories, to put ourselves out there. We have the ability to find our tribe. If you like underwater basket weaving and you like doing it in your socks, there's probably a Reddit community and there's also probably a a TikTok uh, hashtag for you. And what I mean by all of that is that we have to come together to make a difference. We have to learn. And rather than allowing... Rather than allowing the, this world that we've been living in, right? Rather than allowing what everything that's been going on to dictate how we're living. And, and, and for many of us, I know that we're like, we're just waiting for it to go back to normal. Well, guess what? It's never going back to normal and it never should because the normal in the past was not good enough. It wasn't good enough for our kids. It wasn't good enough for our friends. It wasn't good enough for our families. It wasn't good enough for anyone. And it might've taken a pandemic to make that happen, but we should own these things. We should use these lessons for good. We should be able to take these and make a difference. And so my challenge is, you know, hopefully that one of these six things resonated with you in your business, in your personal life, and you're willing to take the march and make a difference. I believe as devastating as all of the loss of lives are, and for anyone that wants to use caveats, like I don't, if it killed one person, that's too much, too many people dying, right? Like, and I hate the analogy of connecting things to the flu because I think the flu is also devastating that it kills so many people and it's a silent killer and child trafficking is a silent killer. And there's so many things that are going on. And I, and I see a bunch of you that are watching this live um, that are you know talking about how difficult it was to have conversations with your children or your parents or um, those in your network. And, and I know the conversations are difficult and I'm, I, I've struggled at many times. I've shied away from a couple of them, but part of it is also owning the fact that, when you do shy away, recognizing that and then setting, recognizing how you can do something different and how you can make the changes. 
And so I know this is a long episode. I know that I, uh, I was fired up and I went deep into each one of these six things, but hopefully it was valuable for you guys that were listening. Uh, I, I do believe that we got this, that the future is going to be better than it's ever been, that a year from now, we're going to start making headway and the vaccines are going to start allowing us to do things that we want to be doing and travel and do a lot of those things. But I don't want us to go back to normal. I want us to be able to learn from all the things that we've learned, learn about ourselves, about what we care about in life and make those tough decisions, sell the, 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 the fancy car so that you don't have as big of a payment so you can do things differently. Uh, make those adjustments in life. It's not easy. I'm not one. I'm still one that's going through it myself, but I do believe we can each do our part. We can each make a difference. And well, if we're each willing to do that, I think the the world is a um, is a, a darn good place. And I believe that we are are destined for doing good things out there. So um, my name is Brian Fanzo. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check out our sponsor, Restream.io. Um, they're the ones that are powering, allowing me to do all of these cool things that you guys see on the screen, allowing me to broadcast this to all the different channels. Um, for those listening on the podcast, um, if you love this podcast, I would love an iTunes review. Um, I know I don't usually ask for them. Uh, I, and I know my you know people that coach me are always like, Brian, if you don't ask, uh, you'll, you won't get, but... Um, I know I took a long time off of this show and I'm so thankful for all of you that um, you know, did such an amazing job of coming back and listening to it. But uh, if you want to support the show, you know, share this out with your friend, put it in your email newsletter. Um, you know, even just, you know, Hey, send the ex- episode to one person. You know, if each listener sends us to one person um, that'll help me, it'll help my sponsor, you know, and um, it'll hopefully uh, continue this amazing journey that uh, we've been doing this show since November of 2014. Whoa, crazy, right? Six years. So uh, until next time, my friends, make it a great day. Uh, I truly do believe we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to do some great things together, and um, I'm excited for the, the future and, and making it all happen. Until next time, my friends, cheers. Cheers.